To another show with myself, Saad Ahmed, and my co-presenter for today is No Shirvan, and we have some new topics to discuss, some new guests to speak uh, uh, with, and we will ask them what um, the new um, ideas or new, um, ways we can help the community in other ways. Likewise, as you all know, we always have two uh, two hours of the drive time show and we'll try to present two topics which are in the first hour we'll be speaking about the homelessness and in the second hour about death coping with grief but before that assalamu alaikum peace be upon you Nashrawan how are you? Wa alaikum salam alhamdulillah by the grace of Allah well, Saad, how are you doing today? Zakila alhamdulillah so far so good and you know Nashrawan in the first hour, as you know, we, the topic is homelessness. Uh, is it a life, lifestyle choice or not? We are asking that also. And the, what do you think about that? I think very both of the hours, they have um, very interesting topics. Correct. Um, very important topics uh, because it uh, relates to a lot of people. And I think it's important to educate um, the wider uh, people um, about the f- the situation that we're facing globally, it's not just within the UK, but it's a problem that we face uh, globally. So, of course, kicking off with the the first topic of homelessness, whether it's a uh, lifestyle choice mm-hmm. or whether it's um, it's it's a issue which is faced by many many millions across the world. So, it is a complex societal issue which often is misunderstood as a lifestyle choice. Okay. But the circumstances that lead to homelessness, they are very uh, diverse and, and making it a deeply entrenched problem. So it requires a comprehensive and compassionate solutions. Of course, um, the governments, even here within the UK, they are trying their best to alleviate this um, problem of uh, people being left without a home, yeah. people without uh, resources and without a, a shelter or a roof over their head. Yes. You know, if you look, for example, uh, um, at the 10 top economic countries, um, we stand at number six. You see being first, Germany is at fourth, and we are at six. We have a good um, um, economy um, in the UK. But on the other hand, we still have this issue of um, homelessness. And how can we tackle that? These ideas we will discuss with our very first guest today, um, Captain Dan Holland. Um, who is the Salvation's Army's um, Homelessness Services Region Manager for London? And um, with this short introduction, I would like to him. I like to welcome him to the show. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. How are you, Dan? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to hear you. Thank you so much. It's always great to have the you know someone from the Salvation Army joining us and and speaking about the um, some issues which have the UK is facing at this moment and as you know we are speaking about the homelessness um, issue which is um, throughout the UK and um, the question I want to ask you is before um, going into Salvation Army's programs and everything what do you think is this a lifestyle choice or not uh, if someone because it's, it's a notion out there some some people think that um, if homelessness can be tackled with oneself but people choose to be homeless yeah, good question. Absolutely not. Our, our experience shows that homelessness certainly isn't a lifestyle choice. And actually a lot of people end up uh, experiencing homelessness through a variety of factors. 
uh, including poverty, adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. uh, lack of mental health support, lack of employment, and obviously the cost of living crisis as well that is uh, causing a lot of people not to be able to afford rent and, and keep a roof over their heads. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, we wouldn't see uh, homelessness as a lifestyle choice at all. Perfect. You know, um, um, uh, Dan, South Mission Army was established in 1860, um, as, as far as I'm aware. So... What um, key role does um, Salvation Army play um, addressing this very issue of homelessness and are there any specific uh, specific programs or initiatives the organisation has in place? Yeah, so exactly as you said, the Salvation Army uh, came into being in 1865 as a, as a kind of a response to uh, people in the east end of London who were experiencing poverty uh, and a real desire to uh, enhance life for people and, and allow people to experience a, a full life. Um, so the Salvation Army on a, a typical evening accommodates over 3,000 people across our life houses, our hostels in, in the United Kingdom and Ireland. And uh, as well as that, we have a range of community centres across the United Kingdom and Ireland where we uh, support people on a day-to-day basis with practical things like uh, food, uh, sh- access to showers and toilets, signposting, employment advice, to advice, and uh, practical things like that where people can just come into a warm space and receive some information, some advice, and as, and as well just a friendly friendly face to greet them and say hello to them as well. Of course, it's, it's always great to have a friendly face um, me, um, meeting someone who is facing an issue or just an ear to listen to. Are there any successful stories that um, because they came to, um, to Salvation Armies and they have turned their li- lives around again? Yeah, every day we see people who have their lives transformed and that's why I go back to, to that first question you asked me about, is homelessness a lifestyle choice? Uh, ab- absolutely not. We see people who have had all sorts of experiences um, in, including poor mental health, uh, you know, ad- addiction problems, unemployment, uh, and every day we see people, uh, you know, getting their lives back on on track. People that have, uh, you know, struggled with poor mental health, for example, that start accessing mental health services, improve their mental well-being, uh, and then end up back in work, uh, as an example. So, so every day we see lives transformed just by building relationships and uh, getting to know people and coming alongside them. And, and definitely, it's a community effort. You know, we we don't do this in isolation. It's it's about a whole community coming together to work with people and journey with them. Perfect. Do you know, Dan, if you look at, 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 at throughout the UK, are there any specific areas or regions where homelessness has a severe effect and some areas where, where, where people are better off for living-wise? Yeah, we've seen, we've seen homelessness as an issue across the United Kingdom and Ireland, um, and, and that's why we're calling on the, the UK government to uh, come up with some uh, policies so, for example, uh, a reversal on the freeze of local housing allowance, um, changing the priority need list to enable anyone who's experiencing homelessness to uh, be given accommodation, and uh, also increasing funding to support services to uh, look after people that are experiencing homelessness as well, because we're seeing this as an issue right across the UK at the moment. Right, perfect. Dan, you, um, you know the, the work um, you, Salvation Army is doing is commendable and it's and it's quite, uh, you know, it's always refreshing to find that people are there trying to help the community and as, as yourself um, are at Ground Zero meeting people and then understanding what issues they are facing and and you guys trying to help or just listen to them. I I respect that. This is, 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 thank you so much for the great work you or the service you're providing. Oh, thank you. No, absolute pleasure. As I say, it's, it's definitely a team effort and a whole community working together. And if someone wants to join um, or help with the Salvation Army, how can they do that as a general yeah. public? 
Yeah, good question. If you visit our website, which is salvationarmy.org.uk, um, and there's a range of information uh, and advice on there for some further information and links. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining thank us you. today and explaining such a beautiful way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So this was Dan Holland, um, a regional um, manager for um, London and for, regarding homelessness um, services. And, you know, Noshawan, it's always great to have these people um, people with us who are working at Ground Zero, who have a better understanding of what's happening uh, regarding this very issue, for example, as we are talking about homelessness today. And it's always commendable to listen their side of the story so we can have a better understanding as a, as a general public. Yeah, you're right, Saad. And of course, it's a it's a very, um, it's an issue which needs addressing. And it's... Um, very heartwarming to know that they are there are certain organizations that are working to tackle this to working to help the community at large yes um, and of course that is what Islam teaches us okay. to help one another and I just want to bring uh, an Islamic point of view because as of course uh, in the voice of Islam show we do discuss various Islamic points on various issues so Islam places a strong emphasis on caring for all members of society yeah this includes the poor, needy, those that are less fortunate. And, you know, Saad, throughout yes. the Quran, there are repeated reminders of the significance of serving humanity. Like that's one of the fundamental uh, fundamentals of Islam, that of, apart from um, worshipping Allah the Almighty and fulfilling His rights, we as Muslims have the right to fulfill towards the creation of God Almighty. And, you know, the Holy Quran states... Um, I would like to um, quote the, the verse of the Holy Quran, which is from chapter 2, verse 178. Allah the Almighty states that it is not righteousness that you turn your faces to the east or the west, but truly righteous is he who believes in Allah and the last day and the angels and the book and the prophets and spends his money for love of him on the kindred and the orphans and the needy and the wayfarer and those who ask for charity and for ransoming the captives and who observes prayer and pays the zakat, and those who fulfill their promise when they have made one, and the patient in poverty and afflictions, and the steadfast in the time of war. It is these who have proved truthful, and it is these it is these who are the God-fearing. So now this verse categorically, categorically speaks about that you spend in the way of Allah the Almighty, and that you do it for the sake of, to gain His pleasure. Yes. And who do you spend the money on? You spend the money on your family members, the orphans, those people that are in need. So, of course, those people that are left without a home or they are deprived of a roof um, over their heads, they are in need of our support. And our main purpose of helping them should be to gain the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. And on another occasion, um, Allah the Almighty states that if you give alms openly, it is well and good. But if you conceal them and give them to the poor, it is better for you. And he will remove from you many of your sins. And Allah is aware of what you do. This is from chapter 2, verse 272. In this verse, obviously, it clearly states that you should give to the poor. And why? Because one of the ways is to remove your sins is by giving the poor. And Allah is aware of what we do, even if we do it whether we do it in in a way that's hidden, that's concealed, or whether we do it openly. Yes. Um, but of course, if you give to the poor, it's it's beneficial for them. And of course, in return, you will be rewarded from Allah the Almighty. 
it's perfect said and you know if you also look at the life at the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him you know he has said numerous times regarding charity and he has spoken about helping the people who are in need and once the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said you know the believer so the believer's shade on the day of resurrection is uh, will be his charity so the charity he has given or he or she has given that will be a shade f- um, on the day of um, the day of resurrection and likewise you know in in other places uh, the prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him stated that you know giving charity without delay for it stands in the way of calamity and then once again the prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him stated one with um, some in, 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 in on another occasion you know uh, he was stating the verse also that, you know allah the mighty states that o son of adam spend and i, sh- I shall spend on you so we have been commanded by allah the mighty as you've mentioned various different um, on various different occasions and, and chapters and if you just open up the second chapter of the holy quran in the very first couple of verses it is stated that spend out of what we have provided you right so Allah the Mahdi has from um, from the very start he's been telling the believers that you should spend in the cause of the people who are in need and uh, because Allah the, Allah, Allah the Almighty is the one who's providing us with that uh, mode or that wealth which is needed to help and spread throughout the community who are in need at that time so mm-hmm. these are the things you know that this is what Islam has been teaching for the past 1400 and um, plus years now yeah and sad of course it's just really beautiful teachings of Islam um that if we all listen and abide by these teachings yes. i'm 100% sure that we will have a much more harmonious loving peaceful world that we currently live in correct and Islam is the solution to all these problems that the world is currently facing and in order to to get rid of these uh, global issues such as homelessness we need to act um, with just we need to act with kindness and we need to look after those that are suffering definitely definitely you know um, especially in the uk um for example the amdim muslim youth association um has been prom- doing for example homelessness and feeding or um, very other communities i've seen uh, i was in um walsall the other day and there was in the community who was providing foods to the homelessness people at that time to providing them in need and helping them out so this is what what would we we should be doing and this is what the communities should stand for that we should be helping and providing th- those people who are in need and be it for shelter be it for food and especially for example um, salvation army they have been um, doing this for some time now and as as mentioned by Dan they were established in 1865 so it's more than 150 years now they have been tr- providing and uh, in the service of um the united kingdom yeah so so just to give a brief overview of the oh, situation yes. within england um on homelessness i just want to present present a few statistics just so we know what we're suffering with what problems we're having currently So UK charities and politicians they have issued a string of warnings recently because of the growing homelessness crisis in Britain um which is caused by a lack of suitable housing. So the government data estimates that 2893 people were sleeping rough on a single night in England in June 2023 which is a rise of 446 people since March 2023. In England councils assisted 298,430 households in preventing or alleviating homelessness from April 2022 to March 
So that marks a significant 6.8% increase from previous year. So you you can see like these stats show that it is a problem that we're facing yes. and it's I'm sure the governments are doing as much as they can. Perhaps more can be done. But it's a problem that is increasing every year. And of course, maybe much more can be done. Um, and also, the count of households residing in temporary accommodations in England, they have also reached a record high. And as of March 2023, over 104,000 households, including 65 children, 65,000 of them with children, they were living in temporary accommodations. So... The situation is 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 in front of us. It's in front of us. It's increasing. Um, can the governments do more? Of course, there is always better something which can be done with it. And you know, Nashan, one one thing which I have um, I, I've been learning for some time. If the community come together, just to help, we, okay, we won't be able to just do hundred in, in the same. But we we are able to help someone or who is in need around us, and this might uplift them. And they can sort um out the um, sort of return into a normal life, and especially as the Salvation Army has been doing, and they have great uh, stories, which, as mentioned by Dan, also people have turned their eyes on because mm. someone was there to help them. Mm. Yeah, so and that's another interesting fact that we might think London is very well economically and it's it's got a lot of um, uh, benefits, but London faces the most severe homelessness crisis within the country and approximately one in 50 Londoners is currently homeless and living in temporary accommodations that's something I did not know but it's it's interesting to know that as well so we have with us our second guest of today's show um, Risha Lancaster um, and they are the CEO of Coffee for Craig with a short introduction I would like to welcome to the show Asalaamu Alaikum peace be upon you so how are you first of all I'm good. I'm that's, good. That's really good. And yeah, thank you, first of all, for joining us today on such an uh, important topic we're discussing regarding homelessness. And my question to you is, um, what is coffee for Craig? Oh, so basically, um, we're, we're a rather sort of smallish charity um, working in Manchester. Um, we're the only charity that provides an evening drop-in service for people who are sleeping on the streets in Manchester mm-hmm. and people who are in temporary accommodation. That um, So we provide hot food for everyone, um, advice, signposting. We have a medic on site. We have showers. Occasionally, we have a barber service. So we, we it's kind of a bit of a one-stop shop in the evenings for people. Indeed. Um, with the last with the last protocol before a lot of people unfortunately have to go and sleep on the street. Yes, and I wanted um, also know um, how um, Coffee for Craig started. Um, what the story is and how the humble beginnings came um, into in existence after twenty thirteen. Yeah, so basically we started 10 years ago. Um, myself and Hendrix um, Lancaster started Coffee for Craig following the death of my brother Craig. Mm-hmm. He was um, sleeping on the streets in Cardiff and um, he 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 died of a heroin overdose uh, alone in a car park. Um, yeah, so we I, I actually put a a post on Facebook saying if you see someone who's sleeping on the street, say give them a cup of coffee, say it's from Craig, thinking that would be it, just so he didn't die in vain. 
And then 10 years later, we've got our own building. We provide a seven-day-a-week service for people who were who in the same predicament, really. Well, um, I, I didn't know myself that you were the sister of Craig. And yeah. uh, sorry, sorry for your loss um, of, of your brother. And, you know, um, uh, Rich, I want to ask, ask you, um, how does, for example, um, Coffee for Craig collaborate with other organizations, uh, for example, with the lo- local government or the community to create, you know, a comprehensive approach to tackling this very specific issue of homelessness? So we work really, really closely with the other charities in and around Manchester. So we have charities that work during the day with people who are sleeping on the streets. And if if they're particularly vulnerable, they will send them over to us. And then we will see if we can if we can contact um, out of hours to see if we can get them somewhere to sleep for the for the night. And unfortunately, um, we're unable to do this very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can we can flag people up to other services. We work with the um, mental health services. We work with CGL who were who provide services around. Uh, addictions and we have um, people that come in from CGL who can work with individual people around addiction and rehab and sort of support it in a supportive way. We work with um, other charities like Emmaus who can who can provide accommodation and move on. We, we work with a charity that look into employment and we work with Many, many of the other charities within within Manchester, we work really well as a partnership and supporting people on their journey of recovery from homelessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Richard, can you shed light on the challenges uh, faced by individuals who may be resistant to accepting help or they might be transitioning out of homelessness? So how does your charity approach uh, these situations? So we, we 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 treat every single person as an individual, and we act sometimes as a, a as an advocate for them. So if if we have someone who comes to us who who is being some of the services, or may, it may not be joined up, we'll we'll call things like an MGT, a multidisciplinary team meeting, to see what how we can play a part in that person's recovery, and how some of the other services can play a part what's available, what we can do to, if we can refer people to maybe CGL, for instance, anything like that, who we can pull in and act the service around the person and see how we can help and plug the gap. So we're, we're, we're quite integral in, in, in that process. Right. And um, lastly, um, Risha, your your charity, which began with such humble beginnings um, and it's developed into helping thousands now um, in Manchester. Um, what are some specific ways the community can get involved to support your charity, um, oh. your, your charity's mission to, to help? So we, we have social media, so all over Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, you can follow us, Coffee for Craig. So it's Coffee Number Four Craig, yep. um, and you can interact with us that way. You can you can message us. We're always looking for volunteers, so right. um, you can visit visit our, also our website, coffeeforcraig.org, and contact us that way. And um, you can you can volunteer time, donations. We're always looking for donations. So um, 
our donations we look for is food because obviously we cook food every single night. It's all home cooked food and we try and make sure there's a choice of three things. So we're always looking for support with that, ingredients, stuff like that. Articles that we can actually give to our guests. So we're always looking for warm coats, warm clothing, gloves, hats, boxer shorts and socks anything like that because when someone's out on the street they can't carry stuff with them so in, invariably especially in the cold and the wet they can come to us and be absolutely need a, a full change of clothes so we can we can provide that we're always looking for donations so that we can ensure that we have got enough items in for, for our guests so to keep to keep our charity up and running we have to buy food and the, the general cost that so we're looking for people who who want to fundraise for, for us, donate to us, sort of anything like that. You can find all the details on the internet. Look us up. Yep. And also message us because um, most of the time I can I can answer those messages. So anything anything to help. We we work with businesses who want to provide corporate social responsibility and their environment or government governance so we can support businesses in that as well. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Risha, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on our show and sharing um, the commendable work that your charity is doing uh, to help the community. Thank you once again for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yep. So that was Risha Lancaster, who is the CEO at Craig for Coffee for Craig charity and as you've heard um, that if you do want to help support um, go to over to their social media platforms and do uh, give them a message or in any way that you wish to help whether it's donating whether it's um, helping them out um, in person then you can do so of course um, you know um, not sure one speaking to her and just understanding of from where it began after the, the, the demise of, of of her brother um in 2013 and from there it began and and she and they're trying now to you know save people who are in that very situation where they, her brother was a, a 10, a 10, 10, 10 years ago and and, and they have um, tried and helped many people now you know and it's it's always commendable it's always respectable to be speaking with someone who has um um been trying to you know uplift uh, the society we we live in and this is what Islam has been teaching us also for a very for the past fourteen hundred years now, and you know, and especially uh, the, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. You know, he said um, the example of those who spend, um, for example, their wealth in the way of Allah is like that of a grain of a corn that sprouts seven years. So you do, um, what's it called? A small. You do some small work. Allah the Almighty um, grants you bigger rewards of that very work we which you have done and it's been you know that, that that's what islam has been teaching us for the past um 14 years and um, plus now likewise you know the peace and blessing of allah be upon him um said whoever begs when he has enough to suffice him his begging will come on the day of resurrection like um less less laceration um on his face but this does not apply to one who begs from a ruler or in a situation which makes is uh, makes it uh, necessary, like was you know the Prophet Messiah um, uh, upon whom be peace and the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community said you know the teachings of the Holy Quran can be divided into two major categories: 
the first being the unity of God, love and obedience to Him. And the second is to treat kindly your brothers and fellow beings, be kind uh, and merciful to humanity, um, always work for the good of mankind. As you mentioned before, is, which in, in summary is Hukukullah, the rights of Allah the Almighty and Hukukul Ibad, which means the right towards the mankind. And this is what Islam uh, has been reiterating over and over again, that we are, uh, a, we are a um, community, we are human beings, first of all. So whoever is in need, we should try um, our level best to help them out um, in any shape um, or, or form. And you know, and as you mentioned regarding, uh, I mean, you mentioned the stats for, um, regarding London being, you know, highest of um, homelessness in the high, uh, homelessness crisis in the country. One in fifty Londoners are uh, living in temp- uh, temporary um, accommodation um, provided by the local local borough. You know, London is itself quite wealthy, quite rich, and we have this situation going on in in, in this very um, um, borough, and. If you look throughout the UK, I'm not sure, you know, for example, Wales or Scotland, and you see homelessness also exists in those areas. It's not just in in, in England, but overall, if you look at the image, that um, the in the UK we have various places where homelessness people exist. Yeah, it's so not thought, just one area. Mm, yeah, just mentioning, of course, uh, we spoke about specifically London as well. So the situation in like Wales and Scotland. Um, it's also existing there this problem and so according to the latest um, figures of homelessness 12,537 households in Wales were assessed as homeless or owed a duty by local councils to help them secure accommodation that was between April 2022 and March 2023 which is also a 77% increase um, from the previous years and as of August 2023, 11,185 people were staying in temporary housing uh, in Wales. And in the past year, from April 22 to March 23, Scotland's recent official data showed that over 32,000 households were found to be homeless. Yes. So it's not just um, within here, within uh, uh, London or within England, but of course Wales and Scotland and the, these parts of the countries, they're also facing um, and they're having this problem. So carrying this conversation further, we have with us our next guest, Dennis Harrison, a a volunteer reporter at Groundswell Charity for Homelessness. And I would like to welcome the show. Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace be upon you. How are you? Hello. Yes. Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace be upon you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Thank you so much. Alhamdulillah. So far, so good. And I um, wanted to ask, obviously, the topic of today's discussion is regarding homelessness. Um, could you provide us an overview of the homelessness situation in our community and why it is critical to address this very issue? Yes, of course. Um, so going on the statistics that we have from last Thursday, mm-hmm. across England, we have 105,000 750 households reliant on temporary accommodation um, and that figure includes 139,000 children wow. so obviously that that increases daily um, and at a time when rent prices and living costs are already sky high Correct. it's it's critical that we you know we start to address this issue mm-hmm. indeed and 
so uh, these figures are the least amount from last Thursday. So yeah, those are, those are the government statistics that we have from last Thursday. So one hundred thirty-nine thousand. yeah, one hundred thirty-nine thousand children, and one hundred five thousand seven hundred fifty households so, all relying on temporary accommodation. So this number is increasing drastically. Obviously, um, there is living crisis as you mentioned. Rents are are going, especially in London, they're going through the roof at this very moment as we speak. Yeah, I think it's it's everywhere. You Correct. know, it's 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 people just can't afford to to rent anymore. Yes, I I I because of, um my, myself uh, my parents they they rent also so obviously I've been seeing for the past couple of years now the rent slowly being increased um over time yeah, now. Yeah. So what inspired you know the creation of Groundswell and how it it came to be about? Okay, so. Groundswell started in 1992 yes. um, with something called Speak Out Conferences, mm-hmm. and they were um, developed to give homeless people a voice of their own so that they were able to have a, a say on decisions that actually affect them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how Groundswell started, and it's now a national health and homelessness charity that exists to enable people who have experience of homelessness to create solutions that can help move people out of homelessness, yes. which then benefits society as a whole. So, Denise, what, um, since 1992, what um, have been the people been saying about um, about homelessness? And the homeless people have been saying about um, this issue, or what are they trying to um, get a voice across to people or the government? So, We've we've actually got our own um, designated hub. Mm-hmm. It's called the Listen Up Hub. Okay. And we have a community of reporters all across the UK mm-hmm. who who voice their own opinions. They discuss their own personal housing situation. Um, many of us are you know are homeless or vulnerably housed. So we actually are reporting as things are happening to ourselves. Um, so that's a really good source of information from people who've actually been through it and, you know, we're trying to become change makers and policy makers. Mm-hmm. And then Grams will collate that information and it gives a kind of overview of, you know, homelessness across the UK. Yes. If we're all reporting on the same issues at the same time, it's really easy to kind of get a, you know, a much clearer idea of things. Yes, I agree. So, so yeah, so that's a good place to start, really, if you want to find out about that. Yes. So, is there any story that you can um, tell us uh, to our listeners also um, about a story which helped um, change a policy? Um, it's it's difficult to pinpoint one because there's yes. obviously you know there's every person's story is different, mm-hmm. and it, I don't suppose it's based on individual circumstances. It's just you know, everything, they kind of just use the information as a whole. Okay. So, you know, we, we report, I've, I've written two features on, on the Listen Up Hub mm-hmm. that have happened in the last couple of weeks. There's a, a guy who sleeps rough under a bridge um, and they're called Poor Life Choices and Light Camping. And they were in direct response to the Home Secretary's comments about homelessness being a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. 
so I broke it down. So poor life choices explains that this guy actually he you know he's living under a bridge because that's his house he can't afford a real house which kind of makes him poor and then i've said that you know it's not a life it's an existence so you know where's the lifestyle choice in that and the fact that he's sleeping under a bridge in the first place is because he's all out of choices that's his his last resort option and the same with like camping, you know, it's people think that homelessness is a, is a lifestyle choice. It's it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. If you saw this guy like I see this guy at five o'clock in the morning in, in you know, in sub-zero temperatures in a really flimsy little sleeping bag, it, it that's not a holiday. And this is this is what we report on. You know, we, we kind of we try and make stories personal so people they become more than just statistics yes. they become actual real people which i think sometimes we lose sight of correct you know when um, I mean, you mentioned the numbers for example um 139000 children are living in um temporary accommodation and this mm-hmm. is a, had had a rush of 139000 children just you know being displaced from an um, actual home and, and just making sure not knowing where the final um, destination is going to be yeah exactly and you know just think of the impact that that's going to have on their mental health you know it, it it's it's so much more than being displaced it's kind of it sets wheels in motion for people to to trip up further down the line mm-hmm. you know we need you need stability and without that stability everything becomes scary and yeah. you know for for children it must be absolutely terrifying of course and so this how can the um, the individual people or the general public get involved um 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 what's called helping um groundsville you know, to contribute uh, in, in the courses of hopefully ending homelessness okay so they can um visit the website so that's www.groundswell.org.uk mm-hmm. they can donate online there they just released the christmas appeal um where a donation of 8 pounds can pay for travel costs for someone experiencing homelessness so maybe you know they need help to get to the doctors that kind of donation would would help them to do that um you can read our reports online and you can share them that would be really helpful you could you know you could put your comments underneath our reports that would also be helpful so we can see that we're having an impact um you can sign up to the newsletter all of those things uh Dennis as lastly what educational initiatives does groundswell undertake to in order to raise awareness about homelessness and its complexities so the main project at the moment is a listen up project which right. obviously i'm part of so you know when i mentioned previously that's where you'll see all our our reports and you'll read current stories about what's happening all across the uk yeah um often those are stories that you won't see in the mainstream press as well you know they're they're things that often get brushed under the carpet so it's a, it's a good source of information um they also deliver peer led research and consultation projects to gather insight on homelessness um which then goes to commissioners including national government local authorities and charities um those are just a few of the things that they do 
Great. Th- thank you, uh, Dennis, for joining us and sharing the work of your charity. Thank you once again. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Peace thank be upon you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was Denise Harrison, um, a volunteer reporter at Groundswell Charity for Homelessness. And, you know, when she mentioned um, um, the, the statistics of 139,000, I know I'm reiterating myself here and over and again, I just had a rush of children standing, uh, not knowing where the final destination is going to be. And how beautifully Dennis also added, you know, it's not just uh, numbers, but these are individuals. The, what impact it's happening ha- um, having on the men- um, on the on, on the on the mental mental um, health um, mental well-being and physical well-being or other um, because especially children they get frightened really quickly. These things um, have to be addressed, and you know um, the government needs to um, um, try and tackle these situations now. And hopefully uh, there there'll be a time. Uh, which will be a, a, in a perfect society that there's no homeless um, um, homelessness um, in in our uh, in in the UK. Yeah, so start um, just bring it back a bit. There's there's um, a number of causes of homelessness. Um, yes. There's numbers of factors contributing to why it leads to homelessness. Um, that could be affordable housing, yes. um, poverty, unemployment. Um, it can also be because of certain life events that happen in individuals' lives um, that can contribute to this whole phenomena of homelessness. And sometimes individuals, they might find themselves um, in homelessness after leaving prison, care or even military uh, without a place to, to reside in. And uh, among women facing homelessness, a significant number have fled from a violent or abusive relationship. Of course, tragic as it is, um, but they're leaving from a problem, ending up in another yeah, problem another um, without a, a, a paramount or a general conclusion or positive conclusion. Also, the inability to afford rent, like we've mentioned earlier in the show, um, that is also a common catalyst um, for the ever-growing uh, problem of homelessness among many, many individuals. Um, I mentioned life events. Uh, such as relationship breakdowns, job loss, mental or physical health challenges, or substance misuse, um, which can, of course, put a significant pressure on people, which often leads to homelessness. And unfortunately, being homeless can exacerbate these issues and making resolutions even more challenging. And nevertheless, it's it's important um, to note that in almost all circumstances or all instances, homelessness is a preventable condition. It's not something um, that uh, cannot be um, prevented or it cannot be stopped. It's something that can be uh, worked towards uh, together uh, with a solution. And of course, there can be a, a solution to this problem as a whole. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, if there's support there, the homelessness um, can be um, finished um, over time and so steadily. You know, um, just looking at, for example, the rent situation. I was, if you just take, for example, some numbers. If one person is earning three k, fifteen hundred goes into, let's say, rent, fifteen hundred left, and he has to feed his family, um, um, gas, um, electricity, and so on and so forth. You would see at, at the, by the end of the month, you know, it's quite straining. Even though three k is, it's a big amount. But uh, but in today's day and age, because of the uh, inflation and especially the cost of living crisis, it has impacted um, um, on on everything, and hence the prices have suddenly gone up really quickly. 
I remember, you know, when I we used to go to school and you used to, with two pounds, you used to get a lot of sweets. But when you pay two pounds now, you get, you know, quite a significant less amount of sweets. Yep. Just a small comparison over here. And just a, I want to you know, narrate a small um, incident, you know, um, at the time of the, um, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And it, it's regarding um, the daughter, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased, uh, the, um, the wife of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, narrated this incident. During, you know, once during a time of, of drought and famine, people were suffering from extreme hunger in Medina. Medina is a city in Saudi Arabia uh, um, in, in, in the modern day. At the time, a caravan arrived with food supplies. When as Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, saw this, he went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, seeking his permission to purchase the entire caravan to distribute the food among the starving people. The Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked as Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, um, to go ahead and distribute, you know, and providing the and, and providence um, um, amongst the needy. So from from that you can understand, you know, one person fed a a, a community by by just purchasing all the food which which one caravan was carrying to help the needy people at that at that time. And if you read the history, you know, the Muslims at that time were not well off themselves, but they they still tried their level best, you know, to make sure that their community or the people around them are. Um, at least they have some food, some water to survive. Yeah, and it's just the really beautiful teachings of Islam as a whole um, in regards to helping um, these individuals, helping the poor, helping the needy. And you should consider it your, your task and your duty um, to do so. And we find many, many narrations uh, from the life of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Oh, yes. And of course, uh, also the, his companions who also undertook this duty upon themselves um, that apart from um, the way they're living, if they are living a luxurious life, they were told or they were taught to do the same for their servants. Whether they, what, what, whatever they eat themselves, whatever they wear themselves, they were taught to provide the same for their, those that are working under them. Okay. And of course, this is the, the beautiful teachings of Islam. And if governments took heed and understood this message of Islam to help those that are deprived of the fundamentals, then the world as a whole would be a much, much better place. Of course, there's many uh, policies, government policies that um, that are taking place to help eradicate homelessness and other uh, problems that the poor and the needy are facing. So, for example, looking at the UK government, they have committed two billion pounds over three years to address homelessness and rough uh, sleeping, which aims to basically fulfil a conservative manifesto pledge to eliminate rough sleeping by 2024 this is their target this is their policy that they've set out and they've also committed a certain figure which is of two billion uh, pounds so this basically translates this figure translates to a budget of approximately 640 million pounds and, yeah at, in a in a yearly basis that's how much it would work out for, for the uh, period of three years if you look at this figure you might think it's quite a significant number yes um but does it help eradicate uh, the homelessness of what over 100,000 people in, within the UK? Um, it, then if you compare it with that figure, you might think, no, it's not. It's still not enough. 
but it's a start somewhere. Um, these are the policies that are out, and of course, it can help. And of course, if this uh, continues, then we will see a more um, better society within the next number of few years. Um, but it's just that the government should, of course, uh, approach with this plan and take the initiatives and carry this out in the best of their abilities. And also, as part of the strategy to achieve this objective, among for five hundred million pounds will be allocated to the rough sleeping initiative over the next three years. So this funding basically aims to provide fourteen thousand beds for rough sleepers and employ three thousand staff to offer support services. And along with that, additionally, two hundred million pounds will be directed towards the single homelessness accommodation program, which is another program to help uh, get rid of this um, problem of homelessness, uh, which basically aims to create twenty four hundred long term supported homes for individuals with most complex needs. So, of course, governments they look at, um, or the councils they look at what person requires the most attention. They might be more vulnerable. They might have. Uh, some sort of health problems or then of course they are given priority and there's of course um, certain individuals that are going through much tougher time times than the others uh, so of course the government and the councils they assess which uh, individuals are in need of urgent care and and facility to facilitate for them and homeless link the national membership charity for the frontline homelessness organizations they criticized the uk government for not uplifting funding to match rising inflation we've spoke about inflation um cost of uh, rents um cost of living is just increasing increasing um and they've basically criticized that and the group found that there were 39% fewer accommodation providers and 26% fewer bed spaces for people experiencing homelessness in england in 2021 compared to 2010 this is wow. well, of course over uh, 12 13 years ago and the scottish government has a multi-year endless homelessness together fund of 100 million pounds which is being used to deliver on its strategy to basically end homelessness between 2018 and 2019 and 2025 to 2026 um, and finally, in Wales, the Ending Homelessness Action Plan is backed by £30 million in funding over five years to tackle homelessness. So, of course, these are all the policies all being set out by uh, England, um, Wales, Scotland. Um, and I hope that these strategies and these funds that they're providing to get rid of homelessness... It's at um, least a start, which is which It's is a happening. start, and I think it can, if it's put into good use and it's um, actually implemented the way that the policies are set out yes then of course that could be a really really good plan to eradicate and eliminate the problem of homelessness but you know with, with homelessness as as mentioned by denise also uh, for example the story of paul living under the bridge in cold weather so with with cold weather you have many health issues which are being faced by homelessness um, homeless individuals also you know you know people have experienced um, um, well, um, who have experienced for example homelessness are more likely to have a poor physical and mental health than the general population so according to the homeless um, health needs audit 2016 by homeless link a 78% of hom- homeless people report you know having a physical health condition as compared to the 37% of the general pop- pop- population. Like, you know, 44% of the homeless people have a mental um, health issue. And it, if you compare that with the general public, um, it's 23%. Uh, 
and 41% unit use dr- drugs and alcohol to cope with you know uh, with the mental health problems and according to the studies of the University of London in 2019 nearly one in three people died from um, treatable conditions researchers um, warned that more uh, preventative work um, um has uh, was needed to protect you know the physical health and long term condition manage uh, management especially for more um common conditions such as um, cardiovascular disease so if you look, um and the issues within um homelessness um, especially in london so in the uk where it's really cold during the winters and these issues um are arising slowly said yeah i i was watching a documentary about homelessness people and the amounts of um drugs they they use just to cope for the day to day use um so day day to day living it, it's it's i'm um, you know heartbreaking yeah. and when i saw the documentary and the, the people uh, and the homeless people at that time um, they said oh we can't survive this w- uh, months or winters we have to um, do something about it and even if you look throughout um, the world in, in america also they there you have this very um, issue also about the drug issues alcohol issues because just to survive the day to day um um the problems they are facing due to the um, homelessness yeah so just for our listeners how can we ourselves stop homelessness um just want to present a few few points in regards to that of course it's a it's a complex issue um and as a result there's no like one size fit all solution there isn't one solution to to this problem um and of course it takes a lot of effort and reason uh, to remove this problem and why someone is ho- uh, homeless and basically it it's a long problem and it's a problem that requires attention so experts in homelessness along with charitable organizations advocate for numerous societal changes to permanently eradicate homelessness so this basically involves um, addressing root causes such as evictions from private rental homes inadequate benefits that fail to match inflation and the issue of unaffordable housing of course we spoke to a few uh, members of various charitable organizations and they spoke of how they are trying to help and eradicate homelessness from their perspective um so what you can do is keep the pressure on politicians by writing to local MPs urging them to keep ending homelessness top of the agenda in the parliament because if this is a repeated call from the from the people of the country um to their MPs who are the representatives in the parliament then of course once this voice is being heard and raised again and again and again within parliament of course governments will pay more heed because this is what the people want so you can do that people can also give their time or money to volunteer and donate to help homeless charities doing vital work to help and house people affected by homelessness and of course within our community we have an international charity of humanity first which is doing great great work in terms of helping the poor helping the needy they've got many food banks they've got um uh, initiatives to help out the homeless people who are providing them with um the stuff they need providing them with food do go on their website and um donate and help and maybe volunteer if you can for this cause and this this is basically the start of something we can all do our part uh, in order to help and create a change of course and you know I'm just looking at the time here we're just hitting the end of the first hour also and just want to finish off um of of an address by his holiness has a mirza masrur amel amel labis helper he said you know 
repeatedly in the Holy Quran, you know, that, um, it has instructed Muslims to help and aid those who are vulnerable or in, in need, irrespective of their caste, creed, or, or color. You know, this, these are the words of His Holiness mentioning, uh, telling us, and Islam has been reiterating that for the past 14 years, that help those who are in need. And there are many, many narrations out there uh, of the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings well up upon him, how he helped the people who are in need, and likewise his companions. There are many numerous stories about them, how they help the people who are in need. But unfortunately, we don't have the time for those stories at this very moment, and uh, and hopeful that you know we did some justice to the first hour um, of today's topic regarding homelessness uh, is it a life choice or not and inshallah we'll be back after you know the very, this very short break of the 5 o'clock news The promised Messiah peace be on him the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states If you wish that God should be pleased with you in heaven unite and be one like two brothers of the same mother nobler is he among you who forgives the sins of his brother more than others, and doomed is he who is stubborn and does not forgive. He has nothing in common with me. Live in fear, lest you be cursed by God. He is holy, and he is a jealous guardian over the honor of his beloved ones. The wicked cannot attain his nearness, the arrogant cannot gain his nearness, nor can the tyrant, nor the one who breaks a trust. Nor can he who is not ready to lay down everything for the honor of his name, nor those who fall to the pleasures of the world like dogs and ants and vultures, and who are comfortable with the luxuries of the world. Each unchaste eye is remote from him. Each impure heart knows him not. Those who remain in agony for his cause will be delivered from the fire of hell. He who weeps for him will laugh at last, and he who breaks away from the world, for his sake, will meet him. Be Allah's friends, with all your heart, in all sincerity, gaining his nearness with ever-growing zeal. Be kind to your subordinates, to your wives, and to your less fortunate brothers, so that you may be shown kindness in heaven. Become truly his, so that he may belong to you. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace be upon you all and welcome back to the second hour of today's Drive Time Show where we'll be discussing regarding our second topic which is about death and grief and loss. And in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states and we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits, but give glad tidings to the patient who, when a misfortune overtakes them, say, Surely to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. You know, uh, in these, it is these, um, it is these one whom are blessings, uh, whom are blessings from their Lord and mercy, and it is these who are rightly guided. Chapter two. Verse 156 to 158, and in this very verse, Allah Almighty has stated, you know, surely to Allah we all belong, and to to Him shall we return. And this is um, what life is all all about. That Allah Almighty has sent us down here, 
and, and eventually at one point uh, whenever that, that time comes we will return back to him at, at whatever age that may be and while we are here on on this earth we should try and to uplift um to 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 the rights of Allah the Almighty and the rights of the humanity as discussed in the very first hour a a, a, a section of the rights of uh, of um of the humanity which is you know helping the people in need and there are various other aspects of how we can help humanity also but as we know we are speaking about death which is a very um uh, emotional experience for the family members or the, or the members or the friends or the colleagues um who have been part of um his or her life throughout um, the various years they have lived and it, it is so emotional when i meet someone who um went through this um and and it's speaking about uh, about the beloved uh, loved ones who have um sadly passed away you always see you know their eyes tearing up because they are just remembering them and they are i i'm 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 lost words because i'm just remembering the time when my grandmother passed away for example and the time um because my my father was here and that's that's his mother my father's mother passed away and for him it was such a emotional experience but he remained calm he prayed and he said inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun that you know which which means surely to allah we belong and to him shall we return even though they're sad they're tearing up but the words which come out are just yes allah the mighty has sent send us down here mm. and whenever the time was um for him to take someone back to him that the time has come for him or mm. her yes so these are natural emotions yes um that one person goes through at the passing of their loved ones um and of course dying and death they are inevitable part of life and you know so some people don't like to talk about it uh, because of the emotions that run through them whilst they're speaking on such a subject um but at the end of the day this is um the law of god almighty that if you are born on this earth you shall uh, your life will be taken away and you will be returned to the creator yes it's going to happen and uh, that's something we cannot avoid and it's part of life um but it happen and of course death happens to everyone and it's a normal part of nature's order and being aware of it but not dwelling on it too much because if you do so um then it will cause harm to your own self uh, whether that's emotional whether that's physical um which is also in order to live a happy life uh of course you must have this in the back of your mind that you are one day going to return to Allah the Almighty the creator of the world and you're going to be answerable to him um so of course your actions should should reflect um that keeping that in mind and you should try to live a happy life um you should like uh, live um to the best of your capabilities um and of course islam teaches us the way we should live our lives firstly to fulfill the rights of allah the almighty and to fulfill the rights of his creation and once you do that we spoke about in the previous hour if you try to fulfill both of these rights um you can certainly say that you have lived your life to the best of capabilities and hope to attain the best of rewards in the hereafter 
So this is what we're discussing, how to deal and cope with the grief and, and loss. I just want to start off, you know, there's a narration regarding patience and reward. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, you know, to Allah belongs what he took and to him belongs what he gave. Everything has a limited period with him. Um, and at that time, uh, and at that period, it becomes due. So have patience and reward will be at that time. So everything which everything which is provided to us is by the means of Allah the Almighty. And when the time comes, he he can take that. So mm. whenever that time he has he has given us on this earth, because I don't know when I will pass away, mm. but Allah, Allah the Almighty knows everything about at what time at certain period when someone has to, is going to pass away. So till that time comes, as you mentioned, we should try our level best, you know, to um, live our lives in accordance to um, the um, the the rights or the, or the uh, life which we have seen by the prophets who have lived on on this very earth, and especially the Holy Prophet and his life. He was it was purely for the, the service for mankind and towards the um, the prayers of Allah the Almighty. Yeah. So sometimes during our lives we come across. Um, certain aspects or certain things that occur within our lives um, sometimes it could be minor um, it could be linked to your jobs it could be linked to your house it could be linked to anything and so sometimes we take these small things to be of a big worry or we feel sad we feel like crying but we must remember that fine those are problems that we're facing currently but one of the biggest problems or emotional moment that one can feel in their life is the passing of their parents. Yes, and that certainly, in most cases, happens that your mother and your father passes away within your lifetime. And of course, that's a moment of grief, and of course, the emotions will naturally run run through your bodies. Uh, so I think the point I'm making is that the problems that the small problems that we faced, we shouldn't dwell too much on those. Because they're going, they're, they're small part of life struggles, and of course all the things that you're going through. Um, but of course, there is going to come a time when you're going to face these bigger problems: your parents passing away, your loved ones passing away. And of course, it's a natural state for you to feel um, sad, depressed. Or, um, but of course, we as Muslims, you recited the verse um, earlier that we belong to Allah, and we, to Him we shall return. And it's it's very beautiful because at the, when someone passes away, this is the first thing you you say you recite. Um, it just goes to show that our life that we lived was from Allah the Almighty. He granted us this life, and at the end of the day, we are returning to Him. This is our sole purpose living here on Earth. That we are at the end of the day going to return to Him. So, so just before we get into um, uh, further on this topic so what is uh, grief and what is loss so um, with grief it's, it's a natural reaction as you've mentioned before to a loss you know we feel um, a deep and a aching pain when um, someone um, um, we love who is beloved to us um, is no longer with us and when someone we love is gone we feel you know, dozens of mixed emotions um, that come with grief, sadness, anger, anxiety, shock, regret, relief, overwhelming isolation and many more um, um, emotions. Just mentioning a few, 
you know, although having faith that someone is in a better place or that you will see them again um, can be a comfort or something you know, for someone to um, think about, okay, inshallah, um, with the will of Allah, uh, I, I will meet him or her in, in the hereafter. Uh, this does not uh, um, sometimes substitute the, the pain of having lost someone in, you know, in this physical um, world um, we are living at, at this time. So it doesn't change the trauma that can come from watching someone suffer from a prolonged or a pain, painful illness and, and it does not um, um, eliminate um, the anger, blame, guilt and regret or countless other feelings that can come up um, following someone's death. And there are many other um, 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 emotions or when, when, you have a, um, when you lose someone it, that... Why did sometimes it's like why did why did it happen? Why did it happen to us? We were just um, talking the other day, and then suddenly he or she has um, has has passed away. Or if you see for someone for such a long time in pain or in such a long or prolonged illness, you just pray for them. That may Allah um, grant them, you know, uh, what's best for them. Yeah. So sometimes this this prayer also comes out. May Allah grant them what's best for them. So, Mela grant him a speedy recovery, or that you know that they can be um, with the ones they love. So this this is sometimes well, um, uh, we 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 pray also that you know Mela um, grant them what's best for them. So hoping that you know they will come um, back to us and and they can be we are able to speak with them, talk with them. And I've I've seen you know I've seen people who are in um in in in, in induced comas, uh or they they have been living like this for the past five and six years now, and because uh, they they, um, they are unable to communicate with anyone, and you see the loved ones every single day, just praying to Allah the Almighty, may Allah the Almighty, uh, um, give them you know speedy recovery, may Allah grant them what's best for for that very individual, mm-hmm. and when I see them and and I meet them and I'm like inshallah you know what's best for them. Allah Almighty will grant them whenever the time is correct, and I've mentioned the story um, many times. is uh, about a holy saint um, who was praying for such a long time, um, and his his disciple asked him, "Why do you pray if your answer if your prayer is being answered by Allah Almighty?" So the, the holy saint said, said um, "Saint sent to that disciple, you know, um, that you know my work is to ask. His work to me meaning that the work um, um, his means uh, Allah Almighty." Is the one whenever he, the time is right, the answer he to answer the prayer, and then after that very day, you know, Allah Almighty said, all your answer, all your prayers for the past thirty years have been answered. So our work is to pray, over and over and over, and not lose hope, mm. and not and not to lose hope. And inshallah, when the time is right, Allah Almighty will show the correct path. Yeah, and of course, uh, in order to live our lives, of course, we um, consider the prophets of Allah the Almighty to be our examples and the, our guiding light. And we, we find uh, from the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and best blessings of Allah be upon him, um, how his father has part, had passed away, his mother has part, had passed away at a young age, um, then his grandfather had also passed away. Um, he was left completely like alone. But of course his trust, the trust of the Holy Prophet, the founder of Islam, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was solely uh, within uh, from God, uh, Allah the Almighty Correct. and of course we see these examples he had endured um, so much grief and loss at a, such such a young age 
um, but it was Allah that comforted him and of course um, carried, made sure that he carried on and was of course a, a really inspiration and of course he's a role model for all the Muslims Indeed. in the world and now there's another example um, describing loss and grief which could be the passing of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed um, the founder of Islam Ahmadiyyat um, his father when he passed away so his father passed away on June the 2nd uh, 1876 and naturally um, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed uh, may Allah uh, be pleased with him he became concerned over the sources of then his income uh, how would he facilitate and how would he um, be able to provide for his family and look after so God Almighty at that time vouchsafed him and re- revealed the following revelation um, which is Alayhi Sallallahu Bikafin Abduhu so which translates to is not God sufficient for his servant and once he received this revelation um, that gave him a sort of mental comfort um, and of course solace as well and future incidents they also demonstrated that God Almighty indeed assisted him in every situation so once you leave your trust within Allah the Almighty um, and just have that belief within yourself that it is Allah the Almighty who will take care of all the affairs and it is him to be shall belong at the end of the day then that is the best way um, for comfort and we see these examples um, in history among the righteous people the prophets and uh, this is what their sole purpose was um, mm-hmm. in this world and um, these specific words of revelation were later carved in a stone and they were also made into a ring which the promised messiah the founder of islam Ahmadiyyat, he wore for the rest of his life and you know um you're mentioning about the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him how from a very young age um, he saw the passing of his mother the father his uncle um his great-grandfather and i just remembered you know the story when his son uh, Ibrahim, you know, passed away in his in, in, in his infant, and so the Holy Prophet Sallallahu had a son from um, from from um, Hazrat Maria um, of um, may Allah be pleased with her, and she was from a Coptic Egyptian um, area, and uh, when Hazrat Ibrahim, the son of um, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu you know, fell very critically ill the um despite you know the prophet's supplications and care he unfortunately passed away in his infancy you know, the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace and blessings will be be upon him was visibly you know moved and tearful um at the loss of his son so when someone asked about his tears he expressed the natural human emotion of grief saying the eyes shed tears and the heart and and the heart is grieved and we will not say except what pleases our Lord. Verily, we are bereaved at the separation, Ibrahim. You know, you can see naturally, at um, you know, the Holy Prophet peace and blessing while being upon him was saddened. He was tearing up, um, of his um, um of his of, of the loss of his son. But when someone asked about uh, you know about the tears, he said, it's, it's a natural emotion. But he won't say anything. What uh, what what doesn't please our God? So. You know, in Islam, the um, when you, for example, when someone passes away, we don't we don't shout, we don't cry over the body, um, f- uh, um expressing a, a a the emotions, but we we say that 
that you know, Allah the Almighty um, was the one who brought us down, and surely to Allah the, um, the Almighty um, we will return. And this is the way the Muslims um, cope um, with with their losses, even though they're tearing up, they are sad, but they all know that Allah the Almighty was the one um, d- d- who gave um, him or her life, and He's the one who has taken taken them back to Him at at a certain point. Like you know, the time of um, um, Hazrat Khatija, may Allah be pleased, where the, the wife um, of the first wife of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and you know, his uncle uh, um, Abu Talib, you know, they passed away um, at the tenth year um, after his um, revelation, and this 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 year is known as you know Amal Huzn, which means the year of sorrow, and as we all know, you know. Th- Hazrat Khatija, may Allah be pleased with her, was um, always um, standing at forefront, and she was the first um, a, a woman to believe uh, in the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he uh, when he said that Allah the Almighty has appointed me as as, as the Prophet um, of the, uh, um, of this um, day and age now, and she was uh, yes I believe in you, and especially you know when when the revelation started happening, he went when he when he went home running, he said to Hazrat Khatija, you know, cover me. And then the words which Hazrat Khatija Anha, may Allah be pleased with her, said, you know, Allah the Almighty will never ever try and, you know, put something on you which will, um, 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 I don't know the correct name, but defame you or, mm. or this. But Allah the Almighty knows who you are, right? And then this is what she said at that very time. And th- th- when she passed away and his, uh, and his uncle passed away, uh, Abu Talib, um, that year is known you know, as, as the year of sorrow and this happened when they were in um, exile from the Meccans and they were living uh, in a separate area for that time so you know the, this, this grief um, of the losses um, is captured you know, in various historical accounts underscoring you know, um, the human aspect of the, the Holy Prophet and what experience he went through his time um, throughout his life and then that's just another story which came up, which is you know the, the passing um, of uh, Hazrat Hamza. May um, um, uh, please with him. Uh, you know when the who is the parental uncle of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and and very he was a very close companion of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he was a very strong supporter of Islam. Um, you know, he was martyred um, at the Battle of Uhud, so the second um, battle which took place um, in the history of Islam. And his death was a source of great grief for the, you know, our beloved Prophet, um, Holy Prophet Wasallam. peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. You know, the incident is a reminder of the sacrifices made by the early companions and the emotional tour, such loss which, which the Holy Prophet Wasallam. Um, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him had to bear. Um, for example, in the very first battle, 313 people participated. Only 313 against a, um, um, a, a, a army of thousand, and there there was um, a significant loss there. For but at at the end, uh, um, Islam prevailed, and we overcame um, against the Meccans who tried to attack. And there were only 313 companions, which were though, and, and that was it. Mm. Nothing else. And after, if they all um, died or were martyred. There was no one else behind them anyway. But mm-hmm. Allah Almighty saved them. Um, there were some losses, obviously, but overall, um, Islam prevailed at that very attack. So mm-hmm. the Greece, or especially um, the incident of Taif, when the Prophet went there, 
he he was um, st- throwing stones at. Hmm. But when when the angel came, said, "Okay, she crushed him in between the mountains." And hmm. uh, he said, "No, there, there was someone who will be believing in in Islam later on, and later on, Taif became Muslim." I'm not, I know I'm, I'm deviating from <laughs> the actual. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's topic quite. It's today. still relevant to yes. to uh, the emotions that are. Is the, is the emotional? Uh, yeah, and of course, we see in the life of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, how he had dealt with certain circumstances. Um, and how his character was, how he was helped by Allah the Almighty during such um, difficult times. And it's of course lesson for all of us um, yeah. and how we should incorporate the same um, teachings and the same, the way he, the Holy Prophet, peace and best blessings of Allah be upon him, carried himself uh, through such uh, trials. Um, we should also incorporate that. And of course, grief, it can be expressed in many ways um, and it can affect uh, part of your life as well. Um, and your emotions, your thoughts, your behavior, um, it, it is affected um, by such scenarios, um, which is quite natural. And some people, they do react differently as well. Um, it could be in sort of uh, anxiety, helplessness. Um, they might be the beginning, um, how you might feel once you incur the loss of, loss of uh, someone you love. And it, it's also important to note that anger anger can also be part of those feelings as well because um, you can feel angry uh, when someone has died um, for leaving you behind and sadness sometimes comes after after you realize and you kind of move go on go on with your daily life um, you kind of miss that person not being there for you it, whichever capacity they were in it could be it doesn't even have to be your um, a family member it could even be your friend of course if you were to um, if you see them every now and then and you miss that loss that you don't have them with you or be able to advise you or guide you um, sadness of course then it comes into the part as well yes so these are all natural parts of the grieving process um, and knowing that they are common it may help and may f- seem normal to some people but it's also important to know that they will pass these um, emotions and some take longer to recover than other people um, it could that could depend on a number of things um, and some even to the extent they need a counsellor or a therapist or need to even seek help from their GP uh, but you will eventually come to terms with your loss and the intense feelings will subside so grief overall it has no pattern. It doesn't um, necessarily need to be the same emotions for everyone. It could be different experiences for each individual. And um, some could even be in the state of grief or feeling these emotions for weeks or months. Um, and for some, it could even be as long as years. But it's altogether as a whole, it's a natural, natural process. And of course, um, knowing someone close to you has passed away, um, it is a sad time, but of course we need to see what religion teaches us. We need to see how the prophets dealt with it and how they lived their lives once Indeed. they incurred their loss. You know, th- that's th- th- this is um, very well pointed. Nashwan Bichi have mentioned, you know. Th- th- so the, always the question is asked how to cope then with, um, the, with, with the grief and loss, you know. The, uh, many people, as you mentioned, are dealing with various different ways and some are t- taking longer than other people to overcome that grief which they are facing and 
you know, the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community, uh, upon whom be peace, um, mentioned this. You know, every true believer passes through a such circumstances. If he becomes um, his with sincerity and fidelity, Allah becomes his friend. But it is. Uh, but if the structure of faith is weak, there are dangers, and we have no knowledge of the secrets of anybody's heart. But anyone who totally belongs to God receives his protection. Although he is the God of everyone, he manifests um, especially to those who hand themselves over to God. To hand one, oneself over to God means that the self be totally um, you know, demolished and nothing should, be remain, uh, nothing should remain of it. That is, that is why I tell my Jamaat Jamaat, meaning you know, the community, again and again that they should take no pride in taking the pledge. If the heart is not purified, there is no merit in placing their hands in my hand. But anyone who makes a true pledge attains forgiveness um, of every major sin and receives a new life. And it's mentioned in the, in the sayings of the uh, saints of the Prophet Messiah, which is a, a Malfuzat, and in the new edition is volume three, page sixty-five. With um, however, we have with us our guest. Um, Katrina Formark, um, a clinical psychologist working with um, children with trauma and their families. And I would like to welcome Monsieur. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. How are you, Katrina? Thank you very much for having me on your radio show. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Um, thank you so much for asking. I'm, I'm good myself. Katrina, okay. so if I, if I may ask, how do you help um, families and children who are dealing with, uh, you know, grief. So I work as a clinical psychologist, like you mentioned. Yeah. So I work usually with children and families where the child has become traumatized mm-hmm. by grief or um, a sudden loss. So not all children become traumatized. A lot of children can um, grieve and overcome the grief but some children and families need extra help and i work with a method called child parent psychotherapy Mm -hmm. where we work together with the parent or the caretaker and the child to uh, through play and through uh, joyful interactions we try to help the child work through the trauma because children will have thoughts about death just as they have about birth and life and they ask questions that may sometimes be hard for an adult to answer so I try to be kind of an extended help to the parent or the caretaker to put the grief in in trauma in perspective for the child as to speak. Yes and you know um, when someone loses their loved ones it's always a heartbreaking experience be it at any age so hmm. do you think, you know, the children um, find it more difficult to deal with the grief and accept the loss or the um, the adults? I think that adults may sometimes have difficulty talking about death with the child because of their own anxieties about their own mortality mm-hmm. or fear of upsetting the child. Um, but the children may be ready to talk about fears and anxieties. So it's very important that the child feels that the adult is safe and strong enough to bear whatever the child brings. And I see sometimes the children 
try to spare their parents and not to ask too many questions and and maybe that's where I as a psychologist come in can come in and help and be a kind of an extra person where the child can start to feel safe to talk about the grief because children are of course a little bit different in different ages but mm-hmm. if we talk about young children under the age of six their grief is different because they haven't quite grasped the fact that when you die, you're gone forever in our world. <laughs> and uh, so they um, have not always uh, comprehended that I will not see this person again. Sometimes they can imagine seeing a grandparent who has passed away, for instance, when they pass somebody in the street, or they can imagine and play with a, a a parent or a close uh, relative that has passed away. And that can sometimes be bewildering for parents and adults to understand. But for the child, that's perfectly normal. It's a way of grieving. Yes. So is it um, possible um, um, for parents, for example, um, to shield their children from any kind of pain and sadness or any kind of loss so they won't have to um, cope with their griefing? Yeah. I I personally don't think so, and a lot of uh, research has shown that it's uh, probably for the better to talk about what has happened or um, help the child to put into words or into play uh, their grief, because children are very quick to perceive when you're trying to mm-hmm. avoid a subject or try to shield them from pain and grief, and it's not... Um, wrong for the parent to also show if if I as a parent if I am grieving it's not dangerous for the child to see that I'm upset or that I'm crying or that I'm also missing this person it can quite on the contrary help the child so I think that um, silence will not spare the child from pain because they do also miss their loved ones and Mm -hmm. children grieve uh, more uh, kind of intermittently. Sometimes they can play or they can maybe ask even an inappropriate question such as, now that Frank is dead, may I sleep in his bed? <laughs> and and for adults that can be quite um, odd or an, an unusual request, but for a child it's a, a natural processing. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just lastly, Katrina, how yes. can families work together to accept the loss of a loved one and eventually, if possible, um, let go of their grief? I think that rituals are good for us and help us, such as the um, burial or the funeral or whatever procedures that you have in your, um, in each person's family or each person's belief system. It's important to mark the passing of a person and also to be allowed to grieve. And the more you can talk about grief and talk about the lost person and acknowledge that it's a huge loss and we miss this person that's no longer with us, I think that's the best way to help the child and the family to move forward. Great. Thank you for joining us today, Katrina. It was a pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you so much for having me and have a good evening. Thanks so much. Peace be upon you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So this was Katrina, uh, she's a clinical psychologist working with uh, children with trauma and their families. And the one thing which stood out, um, um, a scenario which um, Katrina mentioned is 
and where the child asks his parents so uh, now if when if frank has died is dead no can i sleep in his bed and it it is because the children you know are quite innocent and they will mm-hmm. ask um, questions directly and and sometimes for for adult um, because they have lived life more they like well, what what should we do at this moment and the, the emotions which they are going through it's really um, it's it's toughening for them anyways but you know where as kutina mentioned it's always good you know to go through the proceedings if someone has passed mm-hmm. away and uh, you go through that system for example in islam we 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 bury them so you should you tell them your grandmother grandfather or your beloved one has passed away and this is now where they be resting and now they return to the to to the creator the allah the almighty and you know, i remember um, i i've seen i met someone he for him it's it's a bit separate to them as 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 a child um if you were leaving him um if you if you if you, if you went to meet the family to so the child you 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 gave him something you were playing with them and then now it was time to go back home and it, the parents would make sure that they see the family sitting in the car and leaving and he used to wave and say bye before they went so he, that was his mechanism to understand okay this family is going now and now uh, i'm back to my normal life again so they came and they left so this is you know, for children it's always is good to tell them and teach them that mm. okay the, the um, this this person has passed away and now they are resting in such and such place or or, or take them to a um, graveyard after mm. they have passed and and so they can say um, um, uh, a prayer there for the uh, deceased one yeah and so the, throughout the process yes. of when someone's uh, grieving or or they lost they had a loss and uh, they should people should remember that as a source of peace that our creator allah the almighty they did not create us to bear something which is beyond our capacity or beyond our tolerance um because allah the almighty um states in the holy quran that allah burdens not any soul beyond its capacity it shall have the reward it earns and it shall get the punishment it incurs our lord do not punish us if we forget or fall into error and our lord lay not on us a responsibility as thou didst laid upon those before us this is from chapter 2 verse 287 that whether it be your responsibility that's given upon you it's a responsibility uh, that you do at your workplaces um you do not sometimes you you might be given extra responsibility correct um but you should have the mindset that if it's given to me then that means i am capable of doing it because if it, if i was not capable of doing it i wouldn't be given this responsibility Indeed. same thing with um incurring or having someone you love pass away god almighty knows your capabilities and the tolerance that you can um achieve or you can have at such times and it's a promise of allah almighty that no soul is given burden upon uh, beyond its capacity uh, so we should have that in mind as well Uh, once we're going through um, this loss um but i also want to share like my personal experience in regards to because it does link with me um in the sense that when i was studying um in the institute of modern language anthology which is known, known as jamia in the uk yes. um and i was in my fourth year and my father has pa- had passed away um in 2015 so i remember that time really well because i was still studying um i was part of i was in the fourth year um 
and the whole scenario of my dad's passing was uh, it was something that came as a shock um let's say a few months ago mm-hmm. prior to the, the time he passed away it was uh, we were told by doctors that he has been um, ca- cancer has been diagnosed and it's gotten to a stage that it has spread in his body um and there's no way to eliminate it um so of course um as we, us as md muslims um we seek guidance from our khalifa um so um i had the chance to meet his holiness hazrat mirza masrur ahmed may allah be his helper and i had told him that this is what the doctors had said um and in that moment um hazrat just stayed quiet for for a, a couple of seconds and then just ensured me um and and just left because it, i met him in jamia um i think it was a, a ceremony or convocation or some sort of that and zuhr had come to attend that and then um after a, a couple months um it was a number of times hazur had inquired about my father um and it, that was a moment like where i knew that i have um, the support and the prayers of our khalifa but at the, at the end of the day um what allah has planned that will happen um so of course we leave our trust and our prayers uh, with allah the almighty um of course we kind of had the feeling um if my father was to cure then it is in allah's hands um but if he is going to pass away that is also in allah's hands and if he got and i used to make the prayer that um if this world is better for him then may allah give him cure but if allah the almighty thinks that this world is no longer benefit of him or he would not um be able to live in this world peacefully or comfortably because once you're going through the whole process of cancer um it's it's difficult because there's so much pain your body's tr- giving up at the same time and the medicine that your body's taking um it cannot be at times um useful for that um so this is the prayer i used to make and then i remember clearly um so he was in hospital for for a month or so and then the doctors had asked us look we can't do much now um and we just think it's it's a matter of days um that he will he will he would pass away um so they asked us what do you want to do would you want to take him back home or do you want him to keep us uh, keep him in the hospital we decided that we should take him back home so we can spend as much time as we, uh, with him as we can um and then one day i was sitting with him uh, and i just remember him taking his last breath and and he returned to allah and my words at that time was inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun that we belong surely we belong to allah the almighty and to him we shall return of course natural uh, feelings of sadness grief loss my father who had spent over 20 years with um and he's returned to the creator indeed that was of course emotional for our entire family but then i saw the support from our entire community right our community they come together <laughs> um they help whichever way they can your friends your families the community members that you you meet at mosque they gather in your house um th- we speak they give us comfort in a way that they speak good things correct um, and of course they are true in a in a way because you know how your your loved ones have lived their lives and if they've got uh, so many members of the community that they've uh, met, met or they've gone across and they all like have some negative uh, they po- have positive um feedback on on the person or the ones you've lost so if you've had family members coming around you you've got uh, community members coming around and the support they show is just overwhelming and then of course when they leave and it's it's time 
at its night time and when you're alone, then it's basically your God, yourself and your prayers. Um, there's not much you can do after that. Correct. You know, Nashraban, when you just mentioned the demise of your father um, and how the community comes together to be that support panel for everyone. And this, you know, this is one great thing about Islam, Islam Ahmadiyya, that, you know, this is a system of support mm. and that you can just, um, if someone passes away, the family doesn't have to do even anything. Mm. The local president of that um, area will mm. arrange everything from um, um, helping them um, from with the funeral um, services to um, um, whatever, for some of food even. So that's been sorted out even without the family mm. asking or telling them, uh, okay, um, we, how, what can we do? And then you just find, okay, okay, these, these, these are the forms, okay, these need to be signed, and the council need to re- register and so forth. And then, then you have the uh, the whole um, um, plan which the the community helps you with till the um, till 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 the resting place yeah. where where the, <clears throat> where the final um, amount is made o- over the grave. Yeah. So just one more thing I want to mention is that um, of course uh, different legends have different um, burial um, circum like rituals etc. Uh, so what I experienced is that of course you go through that grieving process and um, you do have emotions. Um, but once you, in Islam, of course, we are told that, of course, we should wash the body uh, in its, um, uh, p- uh, wash it, etc. And then, of course, go through the whole burial process. Um, and I did realize that after we had buried my father, we felt more at peace as opposed to when, of course, there was a few days between his death to the burial um, because of all the rituals and etc. Because of all of the um, the government processes as well. Um, so, but once we laid my father's body to rest and of course buried him we felt more at ease because we knew that we had fulfilled our responsibility Um, this is the right thing we had to do Um, and now it lies in the hands of Allah the Almighty and of course we can just pray as much as we can another thing um, we often we do pray as well um, that may Allah the Almighty grant him the station of paradise um, and of course, enable us to carry out the good deeds that that person used to do. Correct. So for my father, for instance, whichever, I constantly still pray that may Allah enable me to carry out the good deeds and the good actions that my father had incorporated within his life. May Allah enable me to do that in the same thing within my life. And that in a way is sort of charity on their behalf. Yes. If I'm carrying, if I'm being, um, having good relations um, with his family members or his friends um, that again is charity on his behalf if I give in the way of um, of Allah the Almighty to Paul on his behalf that's also charity so whatever good actions and deeds I do on his behalf is charity and he will be rewarded for it okay. um, that's something with us Muslims we as Muslims should also keep in mind as well indeed you know um, Allah the Almighty it mentions in the Holy Quran also you know what do you think that we had created you without purpose and that you would not be brought back to us and um, as all to be Allah, the true king. You know, this leaves no ambiguity, you know, that man has been created for a purpose. And it is not simply, you know, destroyed um, after living a few you know, a, a few years. So it is. Uh, so it follows that, you know, the soul must live on 
um, after the death to achieve you know a greater purpose as you mentioned you, know, you, you are fulfilling your father's purpose a purpose um, for, for, for what he came um, with doing the charity for example meeting his, his beloved one his family friends and giving charity on his behalf, behalf to the needy uh, in this day and age and this is all and uh, this is the, the um, fulfilling of you know of the purpose and likewise you know when we see uh, when a person is about to die and um, what what happens in in, in uh, naturally we start reciting the holy quran and especially you know, chapter um, um 36 of surah yasin and it's recited you know nahum because you know in this chapter it is mentioned about that and the hereafter have been mentioned in 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 a way that you know would be comfort uh, and at and the person who is dying uh, they feel at ease also and so the sense you know this chapter is recited um in front of them so and you and you tell them okay this this is the meaning of this verse this is the meaning of this verse so they feel at ease also likewise you know um when a person um is di- uh, passes away and we always say that this, these words in lillahi wa inna rajiun that surely to um allah we belong and surely um, and and we and uh, to him shall we return and this uh, Ex- these, you know, this expression is a firm um, con- conviction in, in the heart. You know, the, the eyes of the deceased are closed, and and um, by uh, and and so after this words in Lillah you you close his eyes, and then you know you you you, you wrap him in a cloth afterwards um, after the wash, and you lower, lower them down in, in where they uh, at the at the resting place. You know, just summing uh, up how the process yeah. it was the process is very long, um, from A to Z, um, when someone passes away, and just summarizing it really quickly is um, when someone passes away, you have a funeral services, um, or a funeral house where you go to where you um wash um wash the body, and then you wrap them in two cloths, and uh, then you put the uh, and then you lower them in, in, into their resting place where. Uh, wherever it might be, and this is like a small um, roundup yeah. of that mm-hmm. um, um, Islamic way of um, burying someone. Yeah, so inside you need to understand um, religion also um, is, is a factor in coping uh, with the grief and loss. Yes, um, and you know, it's a uh, it's it is a time of sorrow and grief, but um, you do eventually overcome it, and it's um, important you do it with faith, um, and you have. Uh, you turn towards Allah the Almighty more, um, seeking His pleasure, um, because of course we recite in the Holy Quran um, that surely with the remembrance of Allah, your heart is at peace and at comfort. Um, so even during such challenging times, we should be the ones to turn towards Allah the Almighty and seek comfort within Him. And of course, with loss comes grief, and when when this certain scenario hits a person, they often turn to their religious um, beliefs. To help cope with them, and um, and for these people, uh, there is reassurance that loved ones aren't really dead, but they are living in in a better place. Um, they have escaped this world, and they've gone to their final resting place. They've gone to their uh, they've returned to their Creator, and that is of course our final destination, where we will be rewarded and um, etc. And they aren't gone for good, but it's it's only gone they're gone temporarily because at the end of the day, you there will be a reunion. Um, in that better place someday, as we Muslims believe. 
and for those who lack religious belief, however, such comf- um, comforting thoughts are not available, um, unfortunately, um, because of course, if they don't, they're not followers of any religion, and they do not have um, this conviction within uh, Allah the Almighty, then of course, when loved ones die, um, they indeed are are dead, and they aren't living in a better place because they aren't living at all. Um, that's mm. according to their, their beliefs. Um, and there won't be a future reunion. They've gone for good and gone forever. That is um, something, it is in a way, it's sad. Um, and of course, when people are thinking like this, then the, it does leave a negative impact on their mind mm. because, of course, they're thinking, um, we're not going to see this person again. He's gone for good. He's buried. He's died. Um, and that's it. And you just think about um, certain people, then they think about. Uh, how they've left their families behind and there's no one to look after them and so many thoughts that are going through your head but um, opposite to this God Almighty has said in the Holy Quran and thou also at peace return to thy Lord well pleased with him and he well pleased with thee so enter thou among my servants and enter thou my garden this is from chapter 89 verses 28 to 31 and you know this this verse that I've just mentioned has been beautifully explained by the promised Messiah, the founder of Islam, Ahmadiyyat, um, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said that people who are reconciled to the will of Allah and suffer all hardships and tribulations for his sake are never left unrewarded by Allah the Almighty. There are many among us who are embodiments of shortcomings and defects. We will commit many errors and sins but if we are in the habit of reconciling to the will of Allah and are ever prepared to and do suffer all um, indig- indignites for him, if we are not like the wailing woman who put up a big clamour on any small suffering, for such patient ones there is a glad tiding from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It just beautifully explains that verse um, that at the end of the day, if we are pleased with Allah the Almighty and we have carried out good actions and good deeds within our lives and at the end of the day He will also be pleased with us because right. of our actions in this life then we shall enter paradise we will enter His gardens Do you know if you maybe, maybe just mentioned um, regarding patience I just remembered you know a, a narration of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him you know once um, someone asked him well, in the case you know uh, a child passes away um um what happens then so the professor said you know in the case of the death of a child there is for the parents a reward reward in the hereafter with allah so therefore be patient and anticipate the uh, for the reward and this 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 narration tells that you know if someone passes if your child passes away that allah the Almighty has a reward for you in the hereafter so be patient and wait for the for that reward to be shown to you Likewise, you know, for, for uh, praying for the deceased, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon said, when a person dies, his deeds come to an end, except for three. One, for the first one is the ongoing charity, which is called Satka Jariya. And then there is a beneficial knowledge and a righteous child who prays for him. So these th- three things uh, keep living on even after they have passed away. So the first one, which is um, ongoing charity. The second is about um, knowledge and education. And the third one is having a righteous child who prays um, for him after he has, um, he has passed away. 
Now, these, you know, these, uh, these narrations emphasize on the importance of patience and seeking reward from Allah the Almighty. And, you know, I'm looking at the time again, and there's so much to say more, so much to talk about, yeah. but we are coming to the end of today's show. Uh, but before we end today's show, I would like to thank um, Brother Nashiwan for joining us, um, myself today. Um, it was of some radio, and it's always uh, it's a pleasure sp- uh, spending time with you, presenting with you. And we have uh, from our tech department, Brother Akiv is always a great pleasure, you know, um, working with him and such a commendable or, um, uh, um, work they do in the background. So to to make this um, uh, program um, work in such um, um, ease, so we, in, it comes together as a puzzle. And also, uh, you know, our producers for producing such beautiful shows, Dura Samin Mirza and uh, Sister Anna Mahmood. It's always a a pleasure with uh, the pleasure uh, uh, the pr- producers pr- pr- um, making such beautiful shows uh, where we can present them. Yep, and it's uh, it's honor pr- um, presenting for the Voice of Islam show. Indeed, it's always an honor presenting with Voice of Islam. And this is what we have today. Inshallah, see you guys next week. Assalamualaikum. Peace be upon you.